Hello mummers and welcome to episode 7, season 2 of Bump to Mum. I am your host Emma and this week I am bringing you a conversation with Jessica from Birth and Bloom. Jessica is based out of Dunedin and she is a birth and postpartum doula as well as a hypnobirthing educator and a mum to two. In this conversation Jessica and I talk about the postpartum preparation and ways to holistically embrace the changes and challenges of motherhood. Jessica gives us a lot of tips and tricks in terms of how we can prepare for this time, um, the services she offers clients when she works with them. Um, We talk about birth, but it is really a focus on that postpartum time and the ways that we can look after ourselves, the women around us, and the families around us. Jessica talks us through what the five pillars of postpartum care are, and this is a workshop that she is now offering people as well. We also cover a topic which, a little bit selfishly of me, I wanted to know about, which is returning to work after having some time off from your paid employment to have a baby. Um, And Jessica kind of, I guess, gives us some ideas around how we can prepare for the return to work from an individual perspective, but also our whole family um, and the different ways we can, I guess, get our head around it. and just ensure that it's a positive experience. You know, no one loves change, but um, there's a lot of things that we can look forward to with this as well. I have returned to work very part-time in the last month, um, and even though it has only just been picking up one day a week to slowly transition back, I have felt, you know, such a shift in terms of how much less time I have across the week. Um, Just, you know, the life admin seems to stack up. Things kind of slip to the side, and it's finding... It's become a little bit harder to prioritize or just find time for everything. So that for me, even just doing those few hours um, has been a bit of a shift. But what I can say is that I actually am really enjoying um, being back at work, um, having that time, which is, you know, something that I did before having a baby, which is, you know, just getting my head back into that, which has been really enjoyable. I was a bit apprehensive, but um, it's just been a really positive experience so far. I will tag Jessica's account in the show notes, so if you want to get in touch with her um, or follow along just on her Instagram account for some tips and advice, then you can do that. Um, Like I said, she is based in Dunedin, but she does do some online consultations and support as well. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. I hope you really enjoy it. I hope you learn something, and I hope it is also just a reminder of how important it is to look after ourselves and our friends and our family and anyone around us that is having a baby, that postpartum period is, is such a special but challenging time. So I, um, yeah, I hope you really enjoy this. Enjoy, mamas. Thank you much for joining me on the podcast today. I would love you to just take a moment and introduce yourself to the listeners. Um, tell us a bit about yourself, your family and your work. Hi. Oh, thank you so much for having me on today, Emma. It's such a pleasure to be here. So my name is Jessica. I am a mum of two. Um, I've got Leo, who is nine, and Vienna, who is nearly six. We live in Dunedin, and yes, it is pretty cold down here at the moment. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, you know, I've been doing this, I suppose, for about about nine years now. So I got into it when I was, you know, just after my postpartum with Leo. And, um, you know, like a lot of people who are unprepared for postpartum, it was like a little bit of a baptism by fire. And, you know, when you're in it, you're kind of like, is is this what it's meant to be like? 
And um, I got given this book. It was called The First 40 Days. And it's really talking about traditional postpartum wisdom and how other cultures sort of celebrate it. And it's really like this rites of passage into motherhood. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is what it's meant to be like. And, you know, over in like our Western culture, we're so advanced with so many things, but postpartum care and how we look after mothers, um, it, it's really sorely lacking. And so that really, I suppose, sparked my interest in this area. And then I went on to study postpartum care through newborn mothers. And that's like a really intensive postpartum training program it talks about even like the brain chemistry the mm. hormones you know the mental emotional physical changes what are happening and it really kind of leans towards like the ayurvedic approach to postpartum care so mm. yeah amazing so in terms of i guess the the what the support you offer now could you maybe share us a little bit about you know what you do and what is some like common things that you're supporting women with in that postpartum? Yeah, sure. So, um, I'm, well, I was doing postpartum care in mm. actual, um, I suppose, like fourth trimester um, blocks and that, but, um, and I will be getting back into it soon. But generally I'm also a post, I'm a birth doula as well. So, wow. yeah. <laughs> so even when we're preparing for birth, we're also looking at postpartum and setting up the postpartum space, you know, figuring out what sort of foods um, we should have stocked in the pantry, how to kind of create your village, um, and even really understanding the changes that are happening within the body. So, I, so I'm a postpartum doula within that respect, yeah. and I also teach hypnobirthing classes as well. So, again, it weaves into everything. So people come yeah. along preparing for birth, but we also kind of like sneak in a bit of like postpartum care in that as well um, because, you know, most mamas who are pregnant are really focused on the birth, which is obviously super important, but it's kind of like focusing only on your wedding day and forgetting mm. about like your marriage, right? <laughs> yeah, that's such a good way to think about it. So true. Yeah. And, and so, sorry. yeah, no, you continue on. Um, and so, like, I think one of the most important times to actually think about postpartum is, like, when you're pregnant. It is because that's when you've kind of got, you know, more cognitive function, to be honest, mm -hmm. to kind of plan these sorts of things. You're a little bit more sort of social and can kind of, you know, we talk about nesting and we're only normally focusing on, like, the baby's room and doing up the nursery and getting the clothes. But actually, we should really extend that to um you know, nesting what our postpartum sanctuary will look like, you know, um, what sort of environment do you want to be in, setting up like, you know, what we call like a milk station, um, having some little rituals in place as well. So like um, like an idea for that is um, obviously you won't be able to go out for coffees, you know, quite so much yeah. in those first few sort of weeks and months. So making sure you've got really beautiful food and, you know, nice herbal teas or a nice plunger coffee at home so that you're kind of bringing those sorts of little luxuries into your everyday life when you're at home. 
Oh, I love that. And I've got so many questions springing to my mind for you. So I'll try, <laughs> I'll try not <laughs> overwhelm them and ask six at once because I often do that. But if we go, so maybe go back to, so you, how would you normally, how would, would clients reach out to you wanting support with their birth? And then is that in, initially how the, the kind of the relationship will start from there? Generally, yes, yeah. Um, so normally, yeah. So everyone reaches out at different times. So sometimes I have mums who are like, literally have just peed on the stick and they're like, right, I, I really want to be organized for my birth and um, we'll make contact then. And then I have other mums who are like 34 weeks pregnant and are like, okay, so I, I need a bit of help here. Um, and so that's generally how that happens. Um, when I'm doing like just solely postpartum care, it's mm. about, it's a, it's a wee bit different because it's just kind of, um, it's a bit more flexible as well. Mm-hmm. So when I have a birth, that that's kind of blocked out that month. So I can't have, really have any other births. Whereas postpartum care, it's kind of like I would probably see the mum once a week for like six weeks. And so um, before you've had the baby, we sort of sit down and we have kind of like a discussion because everyone has like a different vision of how they want to be supported supported or what that sort of support means to them and how they want to feel as well so often we sort of think about like the physical things but it's actually often about how you want to feel like emotionally supported um you know do you want your environment to feel calm do you you know want it to feel social what are your boundaries like you know, how do you want your friends and family to support you? So when we kind of have like an idea around that, we sort of start, it's kind of like a wee jigsaw puzzle. And then we start kind of putting the jigsaw puzzle together. Like what supplies do you need? You know, um, what sort of foods are like really nourishing in that as well? Because um, like the, the, one of the like the pillars of postpartum care is nourishment. And when you've had a baby, you are like your digestion is like a lot more weakened and when you're breastfeeding you're actually going through 30 percent more energy than when you're a full-time pregnant so we're wanting foods that are really easy to digest but high in energy so mm-hmm. we want a lot of bang for our buck um mm-hmm. and so <laughs> and also like we want easy meals as well because you know, often we're so focused on the baby that we don't have the time to put together like a three course meal. So we're <laughs> wanting easy, easy recipes that you can either like put in the, you know, do like a, I call it like batch cooking and then freeze some or put it in the crock pot in the morning and then just, you know, have it throughout the day. So, mm. Um, like foods like porridges are amazing. Um, mm. I'm all about kind of pimping your porridge. So you just start off with like your oats. You would add in, say, some chia seeds, maybe some flax seeds. So chia seeds are high in omega-3s. Um, chia, uh, yeah, flax seeds um, are great for um, increasing your breast milk. Um, you want to add in some... Um, some berries so they're really high in antioxidants and then maybe some cinnamon so there's certain kind of spices and like ayurveda that kind of slowly um we call it like you know restoke the digestion so things like cinnamon and a little bit of ginger are just like a gentle warming spice as opposed to like chili right mm-hmm. um so you'd have that and then you want like a little bit of like sugar so having like a nice natural honey on top and then mm-hmm. you've got like this beautiful 
you know, beautiful breakfast that's going to sustain yeah. you. <laughs> oh, you're making me hungry just thinking yeah. about that. We're recording at lunchtime, which is probably why. Yeah. And that's yeah. absolutely delicious. I also, um, just from doing some like baby, you know, for making food for Louie, I have been told that chia seeds and linseeds and flax seeds, um, they're all really good for like healthy digestion and poop as well. So if you're, I will. Yes. So that's obviously great as well if you've just had a baby that you don't want to be straining too much there. So another alternative to kiwi fruit, I guess. Yes, totally. It's all about that as well. Because again, um, you know, especially after you've had a baby, like yeah. going to the toilet, we are wanting to avoid constipation, right? <laughs> exactly. So, hey, I, I want to take it back a few steps now. And so just kind of in terms of the, the birth support. So I'd love you to tell us a little bit about that. So you know, if someone is wanting a doula at their birth, would they still have a midwife or obstetrician or, you know, I just, how does that sort of work? Because it's, for me, yeah. quite a new area. I've, I've spoken to postpartum doulas, but never birth doulas. So I'd love you to share a little bit about that. And then we can talk through birth and postpartum and then go through your pillars of postpartum care, because I would love to hear about those. Sure, no problem. So a birth doula, it's it's really kind of, it's it's quite hard to really like explain as in like tactical. Um, and each doula kind of has its its own sort of, I suppose, like special source. So mine is like I do hypnobirthing. So I suppose I'm a hypnobirthing doula. Mm-hmm. And um, they don't overtake like the midwife or anything like that. It's really, to be honest, when you look back in how we used to birth, so, you know, hundreds of years ago, it was very much like wise women were surrounded and it was very like red tent. You'd have like your aunties and your mother and your sister and like, you know, the wise women of the village. And they would be all there to really like support the mum through their journey of birth. Okay, so fast forward, birth became a lot more like medicalized, right? Um, and most mothers, you know, give birth in the hospital now. And um, for quite a long time, especially through like the 60s and 70s, um, you know, like men weren't allowed into the birthing space at all. And, um, and then, you know, with this like women's rights movements and things like that moving forward, they were then allowed into the birthing space. So they could be there whilst the mother was laboring and then um, they could be there while the mother was giving birth as well. And so, which I think is amazing and wonderful, but a lot of partners um, don't necessarily have the confidence or the skills to really support the mum through, you know, this huge transformational earth-shaking time, right? Mm-hmm. And often they can feel a bit like of an onlooker. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it, you know, even a lot of partners even, you know, experience post-traumatic stress from, from witnessing someone they love go through quite like, you know, a challenging experience. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's, and subsequently there has been like a huge rise in like epidurals. And this is often because, you know, even though the mum is experiencing pain, right. So it's physiological functional pain. So it's pain that's doing something, something that you can kind of work with and lean into the partner is seeing that and kind of going like, whoa, I, I don't know what to do. This is not a great experience. 
the mother is then seeing the partner feeling like a bit distressed. And then when she's offered an epidural, she's often taking one because, you know, the partner is, is kind of really kind of wanting her to. And then all of a sudden she's not in pain. And right. so like that's kind of one scenario. And, but often what happens is with a, a birth doula, you're all working together. So right. I kind of come in and we do like antenatal classes together. A lot of what I'm wanting to do is, you know, even through hypnobirthing classes is actually kind of you know, teach the partner to be more like a doula, you know, to really understand the physiological process of birth, what is actually happening, um, you know, to be able to do hip squeezes, acupressure, you know, even learning your own breathing techniques helps the partner to remain calm in the birthing space. And so it really adds to the whole atmosphere. So often um, like a midwife will be there as well. Like I think midwives do an absolutely fantastic job to me. They are completely like like earth angels mm-hmm. um a lot of what happens in labor is um for the most part they do a lot of kind of observatory work and that as well mm-hmm. so they're often writing down what is happening taking you know um blood pressure checking on baby things that are all super super important um i suppose what a doula does and you know working with like the birth partner is we're making sure that the mum is sort of changing positions so working with like the pelvis so we're wanting to open and create space so whether Mm. that is on all, all fours or in a squatting position um, moving around we're thinking about things like you know continually having water so generally after every surge you're wanting to have a sip of water and um, this is because you're constantly still making amniotic fluid and we're wanting those you know muscles and tissues to be hydrated mm. um, other things we'd be doing would be you know like snacking in that as well so often um, like hypnobirthing mums you know can still eat during um, in between contractions or surges which is really cool Um, making sure the mum is kind of you know feeling calm relaxed supported working with her natural impulses of her body um, you know breathing techniques hypnosis techniques uh, relaxation techniques Um, it might be if I'm at a home birth we'll be also doing like rebozo which is a Mexican midwifery tool which is used Mm. like basically like a long scarf right um and you know setting up the environment aromatherapy like this there's so much that can be done in the birthing space that it's not until you start to kind of get into it that you're like like wow it's you know you think about how much we prepare for a wedding day um Mm -hmm. you know the same input can be put into like your birthing day we'll put it that way (laughs) oh that's yeah there's just so much to think about and obviously you know sometimes situations change and there's circumstances outside our control um so would you still you know if someone had had planned all of this with you um would you and but then for whatever reason I don't know water's like in my situation my water's broke and my I didn't actually go into labor so I ended up having an induction and then immediately you know you're in the hospital or Mm -hmm. if someone has to have a cesarean would you still go through them with you know go through yeah, that sure. 
Yes, definitely. So part of it's also even just having like a positive pregnancy experience. Mm. So kind of going and enjoying your pregnancy and, um, you know, feeling supported and everything like that. So then when, you know, life, life is unpredictable, you know, like nothing is linear. And so we have to kind of allow for, you know, the unpredictable to sometimes happen and then just kind of go with it and sort of support the best we can. Um, so like if, if the mum is needing to have an induction, you know, there's, there's also things like layered into it as well. So I'm a big fan of self-advocacy and you know understanding hospital policy and making sure that you're making conscious decisions all the way through your birth um, as well so often we go through like the brain's acronym so it's understanding the benefits the risks um, the alternatives working with your intuition you know what if we wait for a while so what if we do nothing and also s is like for space or sometimes a second opinion as well so often we don't realize that we have these sorts of choices and options and essentially what is about is about gathering information and then making, you know, a conscious decision of what you want to go ahead with. And I think it's like a really important tool, you know, and I mean, I've been in many births when, when things have kind of come up, we call them special considerations, things that you really need to con- consider and how you want to move forward with. And the mums that have had the most sort of positive birthing experiences um, are the ones that have felt like they've been listened to, um, that they've had everything explained and that they've felt like supported in that as well. So I suppose like I come in as an extra layer of support mm-hmm. for the mum. So I would never speak on behalf of her. I'm not a medical professional, but I will always be there just to kind of support her, um, provide, um, you know, evidence-based information regarding these sorts of things. So sometimes it might be statistics. Um and really just, you know, I, I've got no predetermined outcome and how mm. the birthing journey goes, but I just, yeah, I want the mother and the partner to feel supported and informed um, and just loved every single step of the way. Oh, sounds like, I mean, it would be amazing if we could all <laughs> have that sort of support <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, you know, yeah. how a midwife is something that is, like it's free for us to have a midwife Mm -hmm. wouldn't it be so amazing if it was also that sort of like more emotional and mental support that was available for every mother having a baby I would love you to talk about um so baby has arrived whether or not you were kind of present at that birth or not what Mm -hmm. then we're moving into the postpartum. I love that you said that a lot of the time that postpartum preparation happens during pregnancy because, you, like you say, once you're in it, it's too late. I would love you to share some tips and tricks for everyone in terms of how we can best prepare for our postpartum. Um, sure. I know a lot, but I would, I would <laughs> some of the main things. I, I heard a milk station. I heard coffee. Um, but, yeah, if you can make <laughs> go through some of the top ones. Yeah. No problem. So like when I sort of think about postpartum and preparing for it, we look at kind of like the pillars of sort of support. And so like the first one is obviously rest. So deep rest. Okay. And like, 
you know, generally that's for like at least the first month to sort of six weeks. And in a lot of countries, they they have a name for it. So in, in India, it's seen as like the sacred month. And in like China, it sort of translates to um, the sitting moon. So sitting in a moon cycle. And the idea is to really prioritize rest. Um, and this is happening for so many reasons as well. Like even when you think about birth, if you've had a beautiful physiological natural birth you still have a graze the size of a dinner plate inside your uterus that needs to um that needs to heal wow okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) no i know right um your hormones are changing as well so whilst you were pregnant your placenta was actually you know i love the placenta it's its whole other topic but um it was it was producing a lot of hormones. So once that's been expelled from the body, um, you know the, the other the other organs in that that produce those organ those hormones have to start making them again, and so that takes a wee while, and that's often why we sort of experience like the baby blues, um, and can feel maybe a little bit out of sorts as well. Um, and so the idea of resting is so important for recovery, but also for like um, adjusting to motherhood as well, and um, bonding with baby as well and also like breastfeeding so Mm. that's like one of the majors it is um and so way the way that they sort of do it overseas is that it is one month in the bed uh, one week in the bed one week on the bed one week beside the bed um one week near the bed and then yeah and that's i guess because i mean they do feed so so much you know so you do, do. Kind of, it's hard to go anywhere without going to have to do a feed. So they really just focus on being, like you say, in bed, on bed, near bed for that yeah. whole month. Wow. 100%. So it's really slowing down. And mm. also during birth, our nervous system has kind of, you know, it's kind of quite wired. So giving yourself that time to really just slow down and just rest is um it's a huge thing and it can actually be quite challenging for like the modern mama as well mm-hmm. because we're often so kind of like fast paced we're often you know um often thinking with like our analytical brain and that as well and so it can be quite hard to sort of shut off from that and sort of just move into that slow intuitive um non-productivity side of our brain you know and just mm-hmm. be <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so that I yeah. have to say, I would be guilty of not being very good at resting and being a bit of a busybody. And I feel like I probably could have, you know, slowed down a bit more during that, that those really early days and just kind of, yeah, just completely given into it and just just accepted that was a season. I was quite keen to mm-hmm. start being busy again. I think, um, like you say, just it's that modern mindset that we have of like. Want to be doing stuff, going places, blah blah blah. Um, but it is just one season of life, and I, I kind of wish I had maybe slowed a little bit. But hey, it was you know we, it, the beauty of hindsight, right? It is a hundred percent. I'm always like, knowledge is what you learn, like wisdom is what you go through, right? Mm. And so you know, it's always like a journey forward. Um, the other major pillar is actually warmth as well so making sure like you are really warm so having lots of layers on you know if you've got a fire having the fire on um having only warm drinks 
as well. So we're wanting um, warm drinks and warm food, warm environment. And um, this is again because anything cold that we're that we're taking in um, is using energy to warm it up basically Mm -hmm. and so that energy that we're using to warm up that cold water or warm up that cold food could be used for recovery and um, energy into like breastfeeding and so it's really kind of being smart with you know how we want to use our energy and um, you know the other thing when it comes to warmth is actually just having warm people around you as well. Mm. So, you know, not having people that you don't want around you. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And that's so interesting in terms of, I ha- you know, like there's things again that I, I didn't know and I haven't thought about before. And I guess as well, like if you're having a baby during those winter months, maybe even more important to have this very cozy mm-hmm environment you don't really ever want to be cold when <laughs> no. you know it's already freezing as it is yeah no definitely and they sort of think that during that time as well like um because it's such a time for like recovery that um that when you do get cold you know it can um it can be a lot kind of you're more likely to get like a chill or something like that mm-hmm. because we've been so when you're giving birth, you're as expanded as you're ever going to be, right? Mm. And so then those sorts of, um, those weeks after is when we're sort of like, I kind of like to think of like knitting back together, right? Our organs and that are coming back to like the right places, you know, um, and we're slowly coming back into ourselves. And so you want to be nice and cozy, kind of like a cocoon, right? Mm. Um, and then that really helps with our health and that as well. So, yeah. Which is yeah, which is really cool. So warmth is another huge pillar. Um, mm-hmm. The next one, obviously, is nourishment. We talked a little mm. bit about that earlier, but again, just having really nourishing foods, nourishing drinks. Um, you know, again, we we live in such kind of like a fast paced society that it, you know, it can be quite hard to really get all you know the nourishing foods and. Um, stuff that we need for a postpartum but you know if you can plan when you're when you're pregnant and have like your freezer sort of you know ready and stocked full of meals that you know at least if you know you're going to have like one or two nourishing meals a day then that's really going to help with your recovery it's going to help with your energy it's going to help with your milk supply it's going to help with your um, mood and that as well mm-hmm. um it's such a huge thing. Often what happens when you're talking about like the brain and postpartum is we quite often sort of tap into parts of our primitive brain. And so like this is really interesting, or I think it is, is that when you go to check like your fridge and you're like in postpartum and you open the fridge, right? And you're like, oh, there's not much food. That's okay. I'll get my husband to pick up something on the way home. Like that's us work like thinking with our like our conscious mind but Mm. our subconscious mind is thinking oh my gosh there's no food famine and this actually creates a stress response within the body right (laughs) yeah so you don't even know why you're feeling slightly stressed or slightly edgy because in your conscious mind you're like oh it's annoying but like 
it will be fine. Whereas mm. your subconscious mind, this kind of, um, you know, this primitive brain is like, oh my gosh, famine. And that sets off like a trigger response within the body. So one thing I actually always recommend um, parents doing is making sure you have like, like an extra week worth of food, um, you know, ahead, if that makes sense. So mm. if you normally you know, shop two weeks at a time, the first week shop for three weeks. And it's like this, you know, I don't know if you ever used to go to your parents like um, fridge and it's like an automatic response. Like you open it and there's food <laughs> and you feel good. Right. Yeah. Um, but having extra food actually helps our, our nervous system to feel a lot more calm because we know wow. we don't have to go anywhere and we know that we're not going to starve. <laughs> wow. And I guess that's the whole, I guess that's why we, you know, that's why people bring food to, to new families, you know, mm -hmm. families with new babies. It's like that language of wanting to do something to help, but it probably goes further back than that in terms of wanting yeah. to know that they're nourished and not wanting them to worry about, you know, that there's not going to be food. And obviously in the modern day, we know that we can go get a takeaway. We can't, we can go pick yeah. something up, but it's, you know, it goes further back than that. And we're not actually aware of how that impacts us. That is crazy. The brain is yeah. just, that is crazy. Yeah. It's been wild. Obviously <laughs> lots of food prep and being organized and, and your pregnancy to make sure that that's all set up. And obviously, mm. and, and I guess another one would be like asking people to bring you certain meals and yes. kind of preparing for that as well. Like what's some food yeah. that you might want people to bring totally. you. Yeah. So it's actually interesting, like in America, they have, well, I think it's like in Australia, in New Zealand, we're very like slow behind oh, everything, right? Yeah. So like, it's so funny. I even remember like when I was training to be like a postpartum doula, everyone's like, what's postpartum? Like at that stage, it was still postnatal, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so like overseas, I've had postpartum doulas since like forever, but mm. what they also do is they have like a meal train. Have you heard I've of that? I've heard of that in Australia. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So like it's, it's made its way to Australia. So New Zealand's next. So what happens is often like we have baby showers, right? And mm. the focus is very much on the baby. Um, uh, but generally what happens is there, all of your nearest and dearest friends are around, right? So hopefully mm -hmm. anyone coming to your baby shower is someone who's also going to want to support you when the baby's arrived, right? And yeah. so what happens is generally the person who has organized the baby shower will take like a list of everyone who's there and, um, you know, and is happy to provide meals. And then what happens is the mum will sort of give like recommendations of meals of what she would like. So often there can be, you know, like, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, you know, do they have any allergies? Are they gluten-free? Mm. Are they vegetarian? Like sometimes even that in our modern day makes it kind of overwhelming for like to make someone a meal because you're like, I don't know. So they what will give, <laughs> yeah. So they will give, um, you know, the person who's organizing it, um, you know, like an idea of like dietary requirements or, um, you know, photocopies of favorite recipes or, you know, soups or things like that, right? So then they've kind of got like an idea. And then what will happen is they'll sort of start like a, we'll just say like a Facebook group, mm -hmm. and they kind of come up with a, a bit of a, um, 
bit of a roster, I suppose, mm-hmm. of, you know, who's going to make what, when, and drop it off when the baby arrives. Oh. And so then, like, when mom comes home from hospital um, or, you know, she's had a home birth, um, what happens is they sort of just come in and they sort of just drop off the meal. So it might be like, you know, if the mum and baby's sleeping, it will just be like, you know, left in a chili bin at the front door. So often the parent has a chili bin available or if they're awake, then they might pop in for like just like a little moment mm-hmm. um, to say hi and drop off this meal. And it's really kind of honoring that sort of first sort of 40 days and, you know, providing nourishment and love um, through food. Ah. Uh. It's, yeah, that needs to get to New Zealand. (laughs) It does, right? I would have loved that. (laughs) It's one of those things as well, like when you're, I guess you're pregnant and you're kind of thinking about these things and you're like, okay, it would be really great if, you know, this person could drop us this meal or we like these sorts of meals. But then you don't want to have to be scheduling that once baby's here because, like, that's not where your your mind's at. You don't know. But if it's all been organized and everyone's – knows Mm -hmm. what they need to do when they need to do it how much easier just to have that completely off your plate Mm -hmm. I love that exactly and how how would you feel right like when they talk about the village everyone's Mm -hmm. like oh it takes a village but like you're like where is this village like Mm -hmm. (laughs) tell me um but like when you have that sort of support and it is kind of integrated into like, you know, your baby shower, when baby comes, you know, you just feel so loved and supported during that time. And I think that has such like a follow on effect as well. So when we like nourish and support the mother, like her cup is a lot more filler, right? So yeah. then that allows her to sort of nourish and support and look after her baby better so it's like this follow-on effect so instead of a baby shower focusing on the baby also if we're focusing on the mother by default we're focusing Mm. on the baby yeah I think it's and I love that that meal train thing is something that you organize at the baby shower because you're so right like that is your village if they're at your baby shower they are your nearest and dearest and what a great opportunity to get everyone's details and start talking about that so that it's you know, all been organized long before baby is actually here. I think it's, Mm -hmm. and like I, you know, yes, people might not live nearby. They might not have the ability to drop a a meal off to the front door. But what I actually recently did for a friend is there's so many food delivery companies now. And I don't mean like Mm -hmm. an Uber Eats, but like actual companies that deliver like homemade meals. And I just did that. I just didn't even ask them, didn't say like, what do you Mm -hmm. need? I just got a organize a a dinner and a dessert to be dropped off and I just messaged the day before saying don't worry about dinner tonight it's on its way I've ordered you this and like it will be here around this time like you know so it's the fact that you don't even need to be near the mum and the baby and the family um to to provide support and like be able to help them out a little bit that's really nice as well if you can't be there to support Mm -hmm. them and you'd love to be, to still feel like you're doing your little bit to help them out and showing, like, love, I guess. Totally. It is. It's like, you know, yeah, food is such a love language, isn't it? Mm. And I think that's such a cool idea as well that, yeah, I mean, you can live literally anywhere and and within some perimeter there is either, like, you know, um, fresh meals that are delivered or, you know, if not, possible then there's ones that have been you know homemade meals that have been frozen and can be delivered as well and I think it is it is such it is such a beautiful way and I mean 
even sometimes like instead of a gift, right? Mm -hmm. That, you know, having a meal in those first sort of, you know, few weeks is just such a beautiful way to sort of celebrate the birth of a baby and, and, you know, honor the mama in that as well. Yeah. So so good. So, um, so then we've got rest, warmth, Mm -hmm. nourishment. Um, physical touch is another oh. one. It is, yeah. So we're like wired for connection, right? And um, again, when we talk about like the nervous system um, of a new mum, often it's very like light and airy. And um, physical touch is a way to kind of like, um, you know, it boosts oxytocin. It does. Mm-hmm. It boosts endorphins. And um, again, when we look at kind of like Ayurveda and a lot of traditions, for the first 40 days, they have someone come and massage them at their home oh every day. Gosh. I know, right? I was just like, wow. Um, and so what that does is it's it's getting what we call like boosting the prana. So that's like the energy in the body. It's um, moving what they call stagnant blood, um, helping with circulation, helping with, um, you know, they do sometimes like womb massage or abdominal massage. So the organs and that are all moving back to um, where they need to be. And it's really grounding as well. So often the oil that they'll use is a sesame oil, right? And so, um, yeah, so so basically, so long story kind of short is that we're made up of like five different elements. So we're made up of earth, fire, water, air, and space, right? And so when we give birth, we give birth to earth, which is the baby, Um fire which is like blood and water which is amniotic fluid sweat and tears so within our bodies we are left with an excess of air and space which Mm -hmm. is quite cooling okay and um so that's how kind of like the nourishing food and warmth and that kind of counters that. And so physical touch adds into that as well. So again, we're like, we're moving the blood. We're, um, you know, you know, helping with oxytocin. Um, it's very grounding in that as well. So that's how the black sesame is very grounding. Um, and that can really, again, help the mother's nervous system. And so we may not all have someone to kind of come around and, and do a massage, but you can actually do self-care massage, right? And um, how I would sort of recommend doing that, something that you're interested in, is having like an oil, ideally like a black sesame oil, make sure it's not toasted because, you know, smell toasty. Um yeah. <laughs> you'll smell tasty but yeah. um what happens is you want to do that once you've hopped out of the shower you've towel dried yourself off and you want to sort of sit on the ground and you want to be putting a bit of oil in your hands so you want to make sure you've got a warm environment as well and you start off at your feet and it's just like really long slow strokes and you're going round your ankle bones you're going up your leg round your knees up your thighs doing nice slow abdominal circles then you're going up the arms right up the neck and into the head. So you're actually also massaging the scalp. And this is like releasing tension in that as well. And it almost feels like, I don't know, like a Band-Aid or like a really warm hug. It's the most soothing thing you can do. And um, 
you know, often, often when we've had a baby, like our, again, like our nervous system is quite eerie and light. And so countering that with oil is a very grounding. It is. And it can actually make a huge difference to like your mood um, and how you're feeling. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because after you've had a massage, if you, you know, go treat yourself mm-hmm. or whatever, how good do you feel? Like it's just the most blissful, like, release. And yeah. it's kind of completely, you know, phones are away. There's no one that really can contact you and you're just being, oh, I can see that makes total sense to me. I'm. Could you use, like, I, I mean, it sounds like sesame oil, the black could you use like a coconut oil or something like that as well you can use another one coconut's a great oil but it's generally a wee bit more of a cooling oil um another great oil is actually like sweet almond oil oh yes yeah so that's actually a very similar structure to like our skin Mm -hmm. oil so it kind of absorbs quite easily it's not too greasy so i i quite like that i used to be a massage therapist so um, i'm kind of really into all this stuff um yeah, so it can be a really beautiful one. And you can just kind of like leave it on and then just get dressed. But you'll just feel like – and the idea is that like your skin is your barrier to like the outside world, right? And when that's feeling like eerie and light um, or, you know, often new mums will find that their skin gets quite dry. Um mm-hmm. But being able to put on a nice oil is like, it's like, I don't know, it's just it's just a wonderful feeling. <laughs> mm, I really love that. And it's self-care at the end of the day, isn't it? It's not, it feels good to do something for yourself, mm-hmm. especially in a time where you're literally completely not yeah. doing much yourself and very focused on this new baby. For sure. And it can be a beautiful time actually to tap into like, you know, uh, gratitude and sort of self-love because our mm. bodies go through so many changes, right? And often once you've had a baby, you may kind of look down and not really recognize your body, right? Because mm. it's been, you've, you know, you're pre-pregnant, then you're pregnant and you're watching your belly grow and everything like that. And then the baby comes out and you kind of look down and you're like oh you know it's a bit different I've got a few more stretch marks or my belly's feeling a bit more softer and but actually like you know tapping in to like how fantastic and amazing was it that your body was able to do something like nourish life from like a tiny little seed um you know and yes there's changes but like you know, when we go from a place of gratitude, it helps us to kind of embrace those changes that are happening in our body rather than, you know, kind of go, oh, what, you know, looking down and go, hey, what's happening? Yeah, that's so true. Oh, I love that one. And what is the final, final pillar for postpartum? Yeah, sure. There's, there's actually two. So the other one is time and nature Ooh. as well. So, um, you know, again, like, I'm always coming back to like we live in such a fast-paced society but like we do and we're, <laughs> we're often just like scrolling on the gram and you know the thing with that sort of stuff is that you know we kind of disconnect from our actual reality to kind of go into this other reality which is you know like Instagram and Facebook and all these things but they never end so you're never kind of like satisfied right you can always mm-hmm. refresh and um it kind of you know it, it disconnects 
disconnects us sometimes from ourselves a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you've also got things, you know, in there like comparisonitis and, you know, what this person's doing and what you're doing. Um, but like actually just sort of stepping back to like the very foundations of everything is like, you know, being, you know, time in nature. So whether that's even just going barefoot outside or, um, you know, we know that like when we're standing barefoot on, on the earth, Mother Earth, it's a very grounding energy. Um, and, you know, it can really like help our mood in that as well. So being outside, um, being at the beach is amazing in that as well. I'm lucky I live just down the road from the beach. So I always find that that really boosts my mood. Um, sometimes even just, you know, if you're inside, just being in a spot that's kind of sunny with sunlight can be really beautiful. Um, even things like having herbal teas can be a wonderful way to kind of, you know, have a bit of nature or having like aromatherapy oils as well. So like lavender is nice and calming or sweet orange. Um, those sorts of things can really kind of boost our mood and help us to kind of like reconnect to ourselves as well. Yeah. Um, So nice. Um, Yeah, I can. all of these just make so much sense when you kind of explain the the, the reasons behind them. So it's it's cool to hear it kind of from that perspective as well. Yeah, no, it totally is. And, um, you know, there's now like a lot more sort of, you know, I suppose like scientific research behind all this sort of stuff, which is quite cool. It is. but yeah, like the last, the last pillar is actually community. And I suppose that sort of ties into like what we were talking about earlier. And mm. that as well, like, you know, having your village, letting people know how they can help creating a meal train, that sort of stuff. Like when, and what's happening in our brain is that where it goes through, like we go through different stages of like brain plasticity, right? And so our brain is always changing, but there's definitely like times in our lives where this is happening a lot quicker. So one of them's like when you think like zero to three, right? Another is um, when we're going through adolescence. And then another one is actually when we're having a baby and mm-hmm. we're actually our brain is wired for connection, for community. And so that's something that we really crave, right? Mm-hmm. And that is sometimes why new mums can feel a bit like isolated um, or, you know, a bit alone because we have this disconnect from what would have, we would have inherently had was a village. And mm-hmm. so um, sometimes it takes kind of stepping out of your comfort zone to really find your village um, and find your community. So most places there are like mums and bubs groups. And I know from personal experience, it can feel a bit daunting kind of going along to them and being like, hi, my name's Jessica, Um, Mm. you know, and you're hoping to find a connection um, with these new mums and, you know, you, normally you do normally there's at least one or two or three mums that are there and you're all just kind of winging it and figuring it out and you know so that's a great place another place is like you know doing mums and bubs yoga or you know if you've got like a community center around or even like now there's like online kind of hubs so mm-hmm. you know we can always just meet you where you're at right yeah yeah yeah, so, um, and 
again, like that has such a follow on effect into like, like your mental health. And that as well, when we feel like we are part of a community, um, the other thing I always recommend is actually just being open and honest and vulnerable, right? Mm. Um, because we all crave deep connection. I don't know about you, but I'm not much of a small talk person. I'm just mm. like, let's just go deep and let's just like figure it out. And so like, if you're having like, issues with sleeping or you know you're feeling a bit down or whatever just just be open and honest and that often sparks a deeper connection within the other person like they may have gone through something similar or they may be just there to kind of you know hold space for you and kind of validate what you're going through oh I couldn't agree more and it's something I've actually been thinking about and you've just articulated what was in my brain is just how much how much, I mean, I don't know if, you know, faster is the right word to use, but a friendship can just kind of go from very small talk to actually being a meaningful friendship if you are just a little bit more vulnerable and actually just genuine in terms of what you're going on with. And I definitely found that in terms of building a community with um, within our kind of where we are. And we've got lots of family here, which is amazing. And I've got lots of girlfriends here, but they didn't have children. They're kind of not at that stage of life. So I really had to kind of put myself out there a bit to, to make some friends, you know, that had babies around similar age. And it was, you're right. Like it was going to a few things and, you know, there's a couple of people that immediately we just kind of connected and got along and they've become such amazing close friends because we do just talk in that way like we are really honest about when we're having hard times um related to baby and or you know just general just struggling with something and those friendships they're they're new but they're just so close already because we've all been vulnerable because I think we've all at a similar stage of life and no one has time for small talk either like you know why why bother if you're just going to talk about Oh yeah, we're all good. Yeah, weather's a bit crap. Like that's a boring yeah. conversation. Remember, like you actually say, like it really is. What's going yeah. on? Like how how good is that? Mm-hmm. It is. It's like you know, it's just it's like deeper connection of like sisterhood, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that we used to have like you know years and years and years ago. Um, that we would have had through our villages, and it would have just been like you know, woven into like the fabric of our society that now we have it, but we just got to work for it a little bit more, right? 100%. And it's it's like you say, like it's just such a different culture here in terms of postpartum and how we kind of look at that and how it's just kind of ingrained in us that we don't do it, we do it very differently to these other cultures. But it's mm-hmm. nice to see that there's parts of this being pulled through now and I think it's just there's more awareness about postpartum and what it is like to become a mother and be a mother and go through motherhood hopefully you know it won't it will be more normal and you know these things like postpartum won't be such a unusual world um sorry word and we'll have meal trains and all these sorts of things but like you say New Zealanders just a little bit slower than everyone else. Totally. What I think is really beautiful, though, is that so we are probably one of like, you know, it's been reignited, let's just say, but the seed has been planted. And so that when our children grow up, it will just be an inherent part of what happens after birth, which is what I'm really kind of excited about. It's like, you know, it will have this kind of butterfly effect as if like, if you have a beautiful postpartum and then you kind of like, you know, tell other people or support other people. And then, you know, you're raising children in this kind of really, I call it like mother led community. 
then, you know, what we've gone through, you know, it will, it will be different for like what our children go through. And I think that's really nice. Mm. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And it's, it's just demonstrating behaviors, right? Like that's how mm-hmm. like we, we think of it a certain way because we viewed things as children. And if we can dem- yeah. like just walk the walk, I guess that's mm-hmm. the best way that you can, you can teach something. I would mm-hmm. love you to talk a little bit now about, I guess, and it's something I'm conscious of as, you know, how we can talk more openly about the challenges of motherhood and postpartum and not act or seem to be scaremongering or putting fear into to mothers to be or, you know, people that are pregnant because it's, it's striking a balance, right? You want to be real about what it is like, um, but you don't also want to be kind of seeming like you're being this negative Nancy that's like, oh, postpartum is so hard. And yeah. Enjoy this before it all ends, you know. Like I'm always yep. conscious of striking that balance, but mm-hmm. I also think we've kind of gone too far one way where we don't talk about the challenges mm-hmm. enough and it is it is a shock for mm-hmm. a lot of new mums. So have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I often sort of think like postpartum and motherhood is kind of like this secret club, right? <laughs> um, and there's no real like initiation that can like really prepare you for it. But like once you have this baby, you're all of a sudden in this club and you kind of just, I don't know, you just kind of realize that everyone's just kind of figuring it out and just kind of winging it. Mm. And, you know, I don't know, like I sort of think, is there a way that you can prepare people for like motherhood? Um, I think just I think a lot of it comes down to support, if I'm honest. Um, you know, like there's one thing actually that we do with like postpartum and sort of preparing for postpartum. And this can kind of come into motherhood and that as well. And it's kind of having like three lists um, because, you know, women can do, you know, anything, but they can't do everything, right? Yeah. And so it's kind of just meeting yourself where you're at. And so having this, like, we call it like the three essentials list. So the first thing is things that I will prioritize. So this might be, um, you know, like having a shower every day or, you know, having a walk, you know, twice a week by myself or, you know, if you're someone who really likes the house to feel clean, like that might be something that is actually a priorities for you, priority mm-hmm. for you. Often we like, oh, just, you know, just live with it. But like for me, if I'm in a house that feels like really cluttered, it really affects like my mental health. I'm just like, I just need things clean. So for me, that's a priority. The next one is things I will ask for help with. So that might be, so like in the early days of postpartum, if you've got extra pets, so like Mm -hmm. someone coming and taking your dog for a walk, or if you've got, you know, like a mum nearby who can come and help out with, um, like I had an older child, so um, she would come and take Leo away for a few hours or fold some washing. Um, um, or even things that specifically that you want your partner to to help you with. So like communication is the key when it comes to partners. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I often say like, honestly, communicate, 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 right? So letting them know how they can help you and support you. 
And then the next list is something like I will just let go of for a while. So I'll pick it up a couple of months down the track when it feels like I've got the energy and the emotional bandwidth too. So that might be something like gardening, right? Like, you know, we all like our nice garden, but like it's not a priority and it's something that you can let go of for a while. So it might be certain things like that, but just kind of having like that three list and kind of, you know, thinking how do I actually feel about this and what where does this go um, can be really, really helpful um, with going into sort of postpartum. Um, the other one is, again, like back to partner support. Uh, there's one saying I always tell people, I'm like, you know, with the partner when they come home and like, you know, as a mum, you know, you, you might have like, you know, breastfeeding journey might be challenging or you might not have been able to get your baby to sleep but sometimes like it's not like a problem it's just a challenge right Mm. and so when your partner comes home if they ask hey you know and you're sort of ready to kind of vent right they go Mm. do you want support or solutions okay (laughs) so often like your partner's ready to roll with some sort of solutions like hey why don't we try this and why if this doesn't work what if we do this instead but really you're just wanting to sort of sit down and for them to support you and you just to kind of like vent and I think like you know that can help you know just even having that can really help uh, like a relationship during those times because sometimes it can you know be challenging to kind of feel like you're working as a team rather Mm -hmm. than you're doing everything and then he's coming from his job and being like okay xyz and you feel like a disconnect whereas we want you to feel connected and you know moving through this together yeah. I love that. I think that's such a good idea. And you're right. Sometimes you just want to be heard. You know what the answer is, or you'll find the answer by just being heard, but you don't need someone to offer you solutions straight away. Like that's not necessarily why you're you're venting. And I think mm-hmm. yeah, it's just it's again, it comes down to communication, doesn't it? And like being clear. And I think the the three essentials list is a really cool idea because if you actually physically wrote that down if someone was like how can I help you you could actually say well this is the things I'm letting go of but if you wanted to do something on that list for me like that would be so nice like what if you had Mm -hmm. said to yourself like okay for the next two months I'm probably not gonna get to the gardens or I'm not gonna be able to do in this and then someone actually said why don't I come and look after baby for a couple of hours so you can do one of those things or let me do it for you um I feel like that would be such a amazing thing and don't we all love crossing something off our list? Like I'm such a totally. I know, right? So good, <laughs> and like you'd feel so helpful if you'd done that for someone as well. Definitely, yeah. It's such a beautiful way to kind of, and I think during this time of like postpartum as well, you really, really notice if if someone has helped or supported you because it's such a deeply kind of let's say vulnerable time because it's also very empowering, but it's a, it's a very, it's a very, um, it's a very special time. And so when someone does something for you and they've kind of gone out of their way or it's, they've been able to do it, it really means so much to you. Um, mm. So yeah, totally that. Yeah. The three essential lists. And yeah, I always recommend just writing it out. 
having it up. And so that, again, a communication with your partner, they know what you want to prioritize. They know what you need help with. They know what you'll let go of. And so then if you have, you know, friends or family coming around and they sort of see that, then that gives them an opportunity to sort of step in where they feel that they can as well. Oh, so, so good. Oh, I just, I have so many questions for you still, but I'm <laughs> conscious of time, so I'm trying to pick one. Um, I would maybe love, just quickly before we wrap up, if you could just touch on a topic that has been coming up a lot lately, probably more in my mum's circles, but I've also had a lot of listeners message me about it, and it's just around returning to work um, after your postpartum, you know, not to say after postpartum, postpartum is ongoing, but after, you know, had, you've had a baby and returning to work, what are some, I guess, some things that we can do to make that adjustment easier? Or if you've got any tips there, I'd, I'd love to, even if it's your, from yeah. your own personal experience. Sure. So, I mean, it's everyone's journey through this is so different. It is. I mean, there's so many factors as well that kind of come into it as in, are you looking forward to going back to your job? Um, or, you know, are you just needing to go back to it as well? Like, uh, it's really hard to return to a job that you don't want to return to. Um, you know, also your own mental health as well. Like, have you been able to really enjoy your postpartum? Or have you felt a bit isolated and you are needing this kind of connection of the workspace? And mm. I've had a lot of mums that have actually just like actually looked forward to going back to work because, you know, they, they enjoy their job and they are around, you know, a lot of people that they enjoy being around of as well. And again, I think it's this is kind of like meeting yourself where you're at. So things that I found helpful was I didn't return to work like full time, I sort of started back part time, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that kind of allows for a bit of an adjustment period. What I would do differently is I would put Leo, if I was doing it again, would put my child in um, like a few weeks before I was going back to work to kind of get all that kind of anxiety and uncertainty out of the way and to kind of do a bit of a test run with a um, with a bit of a routine. So I'm not someone who's like super analytical. So I love being like a mama and I'm just like really fluid with time and like what's the schedule like that. You know, I'm good with lists, but like generally schedules – I don't know. Um, and so, and so for me, it was, it was a shock, um, to also realize how unorganized I was. And, um, again, I think it kind of comes back to having communication and expectations as well. And, um, you know, again, just like meeting yourself where you're at with that. So, First off, I think just being really gentle with yourself is super important. It is, it's, you know, checking in with yourself. How are you feeling? You know, having honest talks with your partner, um, you know, and, and just taking it little steps at a time. It is hard. It's, like for most people, going back to work is, is a challenging time. It is um, sometimes like, you know, have, you know, coming up with like a really good plan and like a schedule can actually be a bit of a sanity saver as mm. well um, with that. With home life and everything else, I also just kind of really recommend, um, you know, again, if possible, doing batch cooking. So kind of going back to the start with that, 
Because if you're going to work and you're like racing out the door and you're dropping your child off at daycare, then you're off to work and then you're coming home, it's very likely that you're not going to be bouncing around with a lot of energy, right? And so, you know, having like, this sounds really nannery, right? But like having like your Sunday is being like, right, I'm going to do a couple of batch cooks so with batch cooks I'm like I've actually actually got some steak out at the moment because I like I, I was vegetarian and I've sort of integrating meat back into my diet but I prefer it slow cooked so mm. <laughs> I will do like a stew um but like it's something that you can then have with rice that you can have with potatoes and vegetables that you could have you know by itself so um you can kind of do something that you can kind of make into multiple meals um another one of my favorites is actually it's a chelsea winter recipe and it's a um, pumpkin and chickpea curry and it is so delicious but it freezes really really well and you can again batch cook it freeze it and then just bring out a portion and have it with rice have it with potatoes uh anything and so making your life as simple as possible I would also probably try to kind of like um, clear your schedule as well for those sort of first sort of few months as well. So have your weekend as a real downtime so that, Mm. you know, often you're like, all right, I've got the weekend. I want to go socializing. I've got to catch up with this and X, Y, Z. But actually, if you have your weekend as a really chill time to just, just be and just rest it kind of helps you, you know, like the kind of like the longevity of your energy as well. Such good advice. And I think it is kind of been the theme of the conversation today is just trying to slow down a little bit, take some stuff off our plate and communicate where we where we need help. And, it, that you know, yes, it's so true for that fourth trimester, but it's true the whole way through whether you're returning to work or I think, we, we very much try to do it all and it's just actually not possible. So um, I think those are such good tips. Jessica, I could just keep talking to you because I feel like, you know, this topic, there's just so much to cover, but I would maybe... <laughs> <It's> huge, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, how, if someone wanted to have your support or anything like that, what is the best way that they can get in touch with you? Sure. So um, I am on Instagram and Facebook. So I am, it's birth and bloom underscore NZ. Um, and I also have my website as well. So dub, dub, dub dot birth and bloom dot co dot nz um so i i can do virtual support and soon i'm actually uh, launching a, an online course which is birth and postpartum so it's focusing on birth but also postpartum as well um and i have guest speakers in there with you know sleep and breastfeeding and things so it's kind of you know it's a little bit of everything but it's really to kind of support mums through that beautiful journey from maiden to mother oh that's so cool and it sounds like I love that you're incorporating um postpartum as into that sort of birth course because I think that's definitely something that needs to be kind of it should be it just should that's how it should be but it hasn't been the way so I think that's such an awesome idea well I will tag your website and accounts in the show notes but thank you again for making the time to share your wisdom with us it's just so nice to talk to someone who's got so much experience in this space and really kind of 
break down this postpartum time and and give us some tips on how to make it such an enjoyable and special experience. So thank you so much. No problem. Thank you so much for having me on here. It's been absolutely wonderful and I've really enjoyed this chat as well. So it's been, it's been great. So thank you.